Carla. And I'm Iman. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture, including TV, movies, books, and sports. In today's episode, we're launching our new segment, How Have We Not Seen This Before?, in which we watch something awesome and probably a little dated and ask ourselves, How have we not seen this before? <laughs> Hopefully the title speaks for itself. In this debut edition, we're starting big with the hit early 2000s Aaron Sorkin political drama series, The West Wing. Let's kick things off with that sweet, sweet theme music. Okay, we'll talk about the music a little later, but first, I think we have to start with a little bit of background. The West Wing, as I mentioned in our intro, is a political drama television series created by Aaron Sorkin. It's set, obviously, in the West Wing of the White House and follows the day-to-day lives of the fictitious Democratic president, Josiah Bartlett, played by Martin Sheen, and his senior staff, including actors like Allison Janney, Rob Lowe, Dulé Hill, and Bradley Whitford. It aired on NBC for seven seasons from 1999 to 2006, which kind of answers the question of how we have never seen this before. (laughs) I think we were still big into the Disney Channel during most of that time. And it was critically acclaimed throughout its run, especially for the first few seasons. It won 26 Emmys, including Outstanding Drama Series, for four consecutive years from 2000 to 2003. Now, West Wing was a show I'd always heard about, and I knew it was supposed to be good, but I don't know why I always imagined it to be a procedural legal show, something like Law & Order. Did you have a similar impression, Eamon? Yeah, to be honest, I didn't, this shows my ignorance, but I didn't even know that West Wing referred to a wing of the White House. Okay, well, we were both coming into it fresh, and we started watching this show maybe a month ago, and it's amazing, and it includes absolutely everything I love to see in a TV show. One of those major things is its emphasis on characters. Yeah, I think this is a through line that we see. If anyone that knows us knows that we loved the show Lost, which was another character-driven show. And I I don't think I've seen a show that is as reminiscent of that character focus since starting this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a huge, also similar to Lost, there's a huge ensemble cast. And all the characters seem to be really well-developed. And... More than anything, these characters are people you want to spend time with. They're extremely capable and good, and there's a camaraderie between them that I think really sets the tone for the show. 
In addition to them being extremely capable and good, I also think the strength of the show is that they're incredibly human. They're incredibly well fleshed out and undoubtedly the focus of the show. So I think probably the best way to dive into the show is just by talking about a few of the characters themselves. Okay, well, let's start with Josh Lyman, played by Bradley Whitford, who is the deputy chief of staff. I really love Josh. I think for a lot of West Wing fans, he's like the undoubted, I don't want to say bad boy, but cool guy. Yeah, definitely. That... Had I seen the show when it was airing, I probably would have had pictures of him in my locker. He's he's <laughs> that character. But I think that perhaps unexpectedly for a show about politics, this is one of the characters that he's just really funny. He's funny and he's cool and he's not necessarily the type of guy that you would expect to be in politics, at least with the way that the news tends to represent politics. Everything seems so dry. And this is a character that is refreshingly witty. And he seems to have so much fun doing what he does, too. Yeah, which is just, in in turn, it makes, as an audience member, it makes it really fun to watch him doing this stuff. And a lot of times he'll, sometimes he'll have a little bit of a temper, or he'll just get really, like, riled up about certain things. But just as a character, especially throughout the first season, he has... He's just, like I said, very fun to watch and passionate about what he's doing, which actually makes it a lot more impactful where around season two, a pretty traumatic event happens to him. I don't want to go too much in detail, not to spoil anything, but the show is really smart about laying the groundwork and establishing the characters, putting the time in to really establish the character, and then be kind of relentless and kind of plot twists and having stuff pretty emotional and traumatic events happen and not shy away from exploring the psychologies of that. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch. Yeah, it's just, I think his arc has been one that I've I've really appreciated watching, and he's a fun character. Oh, definitely. Uh, Speaking of fun characters, there's also C.J. Craig, played by Allison Janney. She is the press secretary in the show. Yeah, this is one character that I don't think I had ever appreciated what a press secretary has to do or realized what they have to do. I feel like that with every character in the show. Almost definitely. Uh, And I'm sure we'll touch more on that when we make broader statements about the show later. But uh, CJ is, I mean, played by Alison Janney. She is one of, she's probably one of the higher ups in terms of females within the White House that we get to see Mm -hmm. on the show. And boy, the show is so smart about how it writes her. It never is heavy-handed with the way that it's presenting her as just a really strong, female, capable character. It never makes a big fact about the fact, oh, she's capable and she's a woman. Yeah. That's never tacked on as an asterisk or or as something that should be she's she should be given extra credit for she is completely level and even with the guys she's holding her own she's putting in the same amount of hours and effort and she's just such an inspiring character to watch because of it what do you like about CJ's well i also like the fact that they kind of introduced a romantic interest for her early on in season one, but they didn't make that 
the defining characteristic of her character, or the defining plot point. Yeah. It was something she confronted, but she continuously put her job before anything else because that's what her job requires. Mm-hmm. And she maintained her professionalism throughout, which I thought was really neat to see. I would never in a million years believe that this is a character written by a man, but I'm really surprised by the way they um, they approached this. Amazingly well written. Yeah. And I mean, as you mentioned about the romantic subplot, I loved that the show wasn't, it never criticized her for the way that she was handling this. As you said, she prioritizes her career and it wasn't, not to, again, not to give too much away, but I was just blown away by the way that the show didn't turn it into a will they, won't they, mm-hmm. which is like a trademark of like an office type, like not procedural, but an office type drama, I guess you can say. Yeah. And she's also really funny. She's a very funny character. All of the characters, the show, I mean, the levity that the show maintains yeah. it is, has to do was with so the, unexpected. The chemistry that the cast has, for sure. Speaking of other minority characters in the show, I think one really interesting one is Charlie Young, who's played by Dulé Hill. He is the personal aide to the president. What do we think about him? Yeah, this is this is another occupation. Ooh, a text. <laughs> this was a they want to talk about Charlie. Yeah. Uh this was another occupation that I didn't know existed. Uh it's a kind of a, the president's body man and he, again, another very well-written character, when he's introduced and hired, the show does not shy away from the fact that this is a young black man in the White House. Mm-hmm. It doesn't celebrate it as, look at how progressive this is. It's just very honest. Yeah. It's very honest, and it says, hey, like they have character interactions where they say, like, hey, like, you are going, there are some people that are not going to like you here. Mm-hmm. Not within the White House, but there are some American citizens that aren't going to like seeing this. And that, I think his presence in the show has given it the room to have a lot of episodes exploring issues of race. Definitely. In a really brave way. But, but he's also just so smart and capable. I was himself. just going to say, yeah. The character himself is again capable and intelligent and funny he's not afraid to talk back to the president when he's seen mm-hmm. when he thinks it's necessary and he he's not irreverent yeah he's not irreverent but he also isn't sycophantic mm-hmm. which having a any young person in a he's definitely not a Dwight Schrute he's not a Dwight Schrute by any means but um yeah it's just I'm so glad he's in the show, and like we're fans of Psych. Seeing Dulé Hill and uh, seeing a young Dulé Hill is pretty fun too. Definitely. No, I think all of the characters are so smart and so confident in their abilities that mm-hmm. it makes it really inspiring to watch. And I think we we have to talk about Martin Sheen's character. We got to end with POTUS. Yeah, of course. Uh, he plays, of course, Josiah Bartlett. And he does a pretty incredible job. Yeah, he, Josiah Bartlett, President Bartlett, he does, he gives 
the role, like any of the roles in the show, a level of humanity and enthusiasm and just true belief in what he's doing as the president of the United States. He's, he's never glib. He's, he's very respectful of the role and never, never lets his ego get in the way. Mm-hmm. Which, just as seeing that in like a depiction of the president to me is just so inspiring. It's really refreshing. It makes me proud to be an American, even though I know this is completely fictional. And he gives some pretty incredible monologues like every three or four episodes. The fact that this was being televised at the same time that, I mean, think about it, this is President Bush. Mm-hmm. A president that was notoriously like mocked for being stupid. It's insane. For not being very erudite. Yeah, for not being particularly intelligent. Yeah. Uh This is a president that we see him constantly in libraries and constantly reading and so enthusiastic about sharing factoids with his staff. (laughs) He's, I mean, he's a very funny character, but just he's so respectable. And respectful. He, and respectful, In his interactions yeah. with his wife, who is a doctor in mm-hmm. the show, he, he recognizes the points where he lets his ego get a hold of him, and he, he is upfront about it, and they move past it together. It's, it's yeah. the ultimate power couple in a very Friday Night Lights, <laughs> Coach Taylor, Tammy Taylor kind of way. Yeah. And it, it's really neat to see and he he treats his his staff the same way. Yeah, I think it's the first it's the first president I've seen on screen that seems like more of a human than a title. Definitely. We kind of touched upon this before, but apart from the characters, I think the show's emphasis on hope is one of the major things that we've really liked about it. Yeah, I think um, something it's it's impossible to talk about a show about the White House in the modern day without bringing up House of Cards. Yeah, I watched the first season of this show and kind of dropped out. I know especially which show of House of Cards. Okay, uh, I know that there's a lot of enthusiasm for it in Washington. Actually, there are a lot of fans there, but the way that it dramatizes politics. And the cynicism, the cynicism in it, and the the greed and the hunger for power, power. <laughs> it's just not a fun watch. It's maybe interesting. It's compelling at points, and it's well written. But there is absolutely no humor that's not sarcastic or mean. And it just. It's not the type of... It's definitely a show that, as its logo, would have an upside-down American flag. Yeah, yeah. I think that says it all. They're not characters you want to spend time with or can really get behind. Which I think is a dominant trend in television now where you see see anti-hero. Yeah, Uh the anti-hero is probably... A running, tr- not a, I don't want to call it a trope, but since Sopranos and Mad Men and Breaking Bad, you see it come up a lot. And I think, in part, that might be why we appreciate the West Wing so much, because it's not a house of cards. It's showing character. It's not afraid to have characters that are hopeful and not stupid. Yeah, 
the show really makes you feel like you're a part of that team. Yeah. And I I was thinking about this, and I thought the closest thing I can relate it to is something like an inspirational sports movie mm-hmm. where, you know, there's hope and inspiration behind an underdog group, and you feel like there's you're teamwork. For them. Yeah, you're rooting for them, and... I feel like it's mostly because there there's so much teamwork required to get any task done yeah. in, in West Wing. It shows that everything is interlocked and that they're all working together. And yet each it, of the characters has their own strengths and yes. combined they form a super team that can get anything done. Yeah, I would say that this, um, especially the fact that it takes place in government, you could make the comparison to something like Parks and Rec, which is... Very different tone, but I think that... There are a lot of similarities. There are some in the sense that they're all... uh, Passionate about what they do. They're passionate about what they do, but this is kind of like... Leslie Nope, at the end of the day, the show is not poking fun at her by any means, but there are characters that make it known that her joy and passion is an anomaly. Mm -hmm. It's not common and government and I think what the West Wing does is it shows hey we can have that enthusiasm and we don't have to be mocked for it it's not by any means ignorance which I think so many of these anti-hero shows tend to do if there's a really happy character it's like oh well if you're happy you're not paying attention yeah you're the naive you're the naive one and I think that the way that this show just leans into that hope and leans into having smart characters that are really passionate about what they do is just so, yes, I would say it's more like a Rudy-esque show where you're just like, yes, do it, (laughs) than you are saying like, oh, well, it's probably not going to work because you're not going to get that vote or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. It's kind of like this one. If they miss a goal, it's just like the coach gives that inspiring speech where it's like, well, next game. Let Bartlett be Bartlett. Let Bartlett be Bartlett. That is a phenomenal episode. It's just, it's... Yeah, it's great. I also think the music of the show contributes a lot to this inspirational tone. Great point. We heard the opening theme music at the beginning of the podcast. It won an Emmy in 2000, and I think we both agree it's absolutely beautiful, super Mm -hmm. triumphant, and almost poignant at times. Yeah. But as great as it is, the music that plays at the closing credits is a completely different story. Oh, God. It's so bad. If you watch this on Netflix, you'll probably notice what we mean, because oftentimes an episode will end on a solemn or deep tone, and then something happens with the music that's playing during the credits. I think the best way to describe it is with an example Without going too deep or giving away any spoilers, one season ends with a situation that involves gunfire, and then it cuts, uh, it fades to black, and then cuts to the credits. It's a major cliffhanger, and here's what it sounds like. I'm going to play it directly from my laptop, so let's see if the mic picks it up. All right, we fade to black. 
<laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. I think we've been um. Let me lower the volume a little. All right. I think with shows like Mad Men that have phenomenal credit music and that that's specific to the episodes. This is a show that uses the exact same credit music for every single episode, and this is just a prime example of when it goes terribly wrong. I don't even know how to describe it. It sounds like it's, it's just so saccharine. I know some people have described it as 90s daytime kids show music. Spot on. I think it's the brass instruments in the back. It sounds like a tuba or something oh, that yeah. gives it like these like clown. Vibe. Yeah, it sounds like a circus is about to walk through. Um, For sure. But anyway, well, that's my only significant complaint about the show so far. I know some people tend to think that a lot of the show's content is probably dated. Yeah, we heard, um, I heard Andy Greenwald on a podcast was recently saying that this was a show that didn't age well because of certain things like um, the prominence of newspaper deadlines or newspapers reporters and we live in a world in which print is all but dead. But I don't think we agree with that sentiment. I don't agree with that, the fact that it's dated at all. There are certain elements that are, but the overwhelming issues to me watching it now in 2015 insanely relevant yeah when it comes to the issues I mean so many of them are still so relevant in our day and age a lot of the struggles that it depicts with this administration things like racism gun control and even things like the internet age and privacy are still well and alive today there was an episode on what we would refer to now as like Defensive Marriage Act or Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Things mm-hmm. that have only been resolved or they've been in headlines within the past year or months. Yeah. So watching it now, I mean, the only thing that's ana- vaguely would be vaguely anachronous, yeah, are the print headlines and stuff. But the issues themselves, like you said, insanely relevant to headlines. Anytime we pop on an episode, odds are there's going to be something that they have to say that's going to feel like it pertains like to... Like it was pulled from today's headlines. Yeah. No, and I think that's one of the major reasons that makes this show worth watching. It feels important. It It's important to see characters thinking about this stuff, struggling with it, but at the end of the day, not losing hope. Mm-hmm. And just facing them head on in a really intelligent way and not being jaded. Yeah. That's With, the major yeah. the, the major driving point. Yeah. If, so if you want a show, I mean, we've been here talking about the great characters and the not so great credit music. <laughs> but really, it's the point about it, the the issues being relevant that I would say would tell you, like, I would give this five soaring eagles out of five soaring eagles because it's it's something that is worth watching and watching now. Yeah, and I think it's so fun to watch that it's it's not like a show like Breaking Bad where you feel like you need some time to let each episode sink in. There Mm -hmm. are heavier episodes, but for the most part... 
it's fun to spend time with these characters and watch them struggle with these issues and try to come up with solutions. Yeah. It's really inspiring. On a more practical note, I will say I started on episode three. I know people that have seen only episode one and been a little bored by it. So, oh yeah, I, I would. What we did was I watched the first few episodes, and in my trying to get Iman excited about the show, I decided to start her out with episode three. Yeah, so if you're going to watch this show, I haven't seen the first few episodes either. Come over and watch them with me, or uh, just make sure you stick with it for the. I'd say give it five episodes. Give it five episodes, and if you you don't like it, um, just just stop listening to our podcast. (laughs) We don't want to talk to you. We don't want to talk to you anymore. (laughs) Okay, well, that was our first. How have we not seen this before? What did you think? It was great. I think that there's uh, there's plenty that I haven't seen, so I um, I'm sure we'll come back to this segment later. We'll, we'll be exploring our our wide world of of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll Until see you next time. Next time. Bye. Bye.